Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth installment of the Talk the Plank podcast. I am your host, Ashley, or some of you may know me as EMT underscore Abrams on Twitter. And today, this episode is going to be about something that's been eating at me for a long time, probably about the past month or so that I really begin to notice it. And that's the blatant disrespect that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers get from not only the media, but just about everyone. And when I mean everyone, it's not only teams that think they're going to get an easy win, but it's also other fan bases. And I don't, I just don't understand it. Now, before I get started in this, I just want to start off with, yes, I realize the Buccaneers have went 5-11 two straight seasons. Yes, I understand they've had the worst pass defense in the NFL. Yes, I understand their pass rush in 2017 was absolutely horrid. Yes, I also understand that Jameis Winston has had his issues, but the fact of the matter is, even with as bad as their record has been, and as bad as Jameis Winston has been inconsistent, the fact that some of these players, and I mean some of the best players in the NFL, are on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they still get disrespected. It, I, <laughs> it, it this has been bothering me for a little while, so please excuse me when I start getting a little harsh on this, but, you know, the Bucks have guys on both sides of the ball that are res- well-respected and are some of the best players in their natural positions in the NFL. I mean, in the entire league. And this was really brought about just now when I saw something on Twitter about one of the NFL media, sports media people, taking their, what, top five tight ends in the league. And they had, you know, the normal guys. They had uh, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz. Eric Ebron, yeah, he had a good, he had a great season last year. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna knock him for that. And then they had guys like T.J. Hawkinson and 31-year-old Jared Cook as some of the top tight ends going into the 2019 season. And it really made me ask myself, I'm like, do they not know that O.J. Howard and Cam Brate exist? Like, where are those guys? You're going to put a rookie who hasn't taken one NFL snap and a 31-year-old tight end. 31-year-old tight end in a broken Oakland Raiders offense over O.J. Howard, who is a who's literally George Kittle 2.0. And I don't mean to take anything away from George Kittle because George Kittle was an amazing athlete, but so is O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard and George Kittle are literally the same tight end. And when I say this, again, no disrespect, not trying to, you know, compare anybody to anybody, but when you look at them on tape, and you look at their stats and how they are and their size and their weight and just the way they conduct themselves off on the field, they're the same type of tight end. They're both six foot five. They both run 4.540s. They both can turn up field. They both can run crisp routes. They're, they're both the ultimate mismatch for opposing defenses. You can't stop them. You can't. You're telling me you can have a linebacker. I mean, you can argue maybe Devin White or some of these other faster linebackers, but you're telling me that every team in the NFL has somebody that can cover these guys? You're telling me you have a game plan for a six foot five, four point five running tight end. That's a second wide receiver on your tight end. Like that's that's a that's a fourth or fifth wide receiver depending on what set you're running. You don't have you don't have an answer for that, and you know, 
I understand O.J. Howard's had some injury issues. Okay, I get that. And it's a little concerning, sure. But it's almost like if you don't play for a team that's either up and coming or maybe a team that's been, you know, winning consistently like, you know, the the, the Colts or the, the Patriots, you know. I'm not saying, like, Rob Gronkowski wasn't one of the best tight ends in the league, but it's almost like if you don't play for a team that's playing well, basically you can throw your stats out the window. The exact same thing is with Mike Evans. Mike Evans had the quietest 1,500-yard season last season. That man had 1,500 yards on an offense that was one of the most prolific in NFL history last season, and no one talked about it. Literally, no one no one spoke a word about Mike Evans. He had to be an alternate in the pro ball with 1,500 yards behind guys like Devontae Adams and them who, I mean, really, not, they had nice seasons, but Mike Evans was a step beyond them last season. You know, Mike Evans gets very little respect around the league when it comes to media because he plays for the Bucks, and I get that. They've had bad seasons, but, you know, you have a guy who's gotten better every single year he's been in the league. He's not only making himself more of a threat, he's been working on his routes. He's gotten a little bit faster on his takeoffs. He's gotten a little bit better at making sure that he can box out the defenders. This man has gotten better every single year in the league, and he still doesn't get recognized the way he should. And it's because of the Bucks record. And it, it, it infuriates me. You have a guy who has... He's only the fourth, what is it, the third or fourth receiver in NFL history to have 6,000, 6,000 yards in their first five seasons. And you want to know who the other two are? Randy Moss and A.J. Green. Now, formidably, A.J. Green has been taking sort of a downward spike as of late, especially with the injuries he's had and just, you know, kind of the big question mark over in Cincinnati right now. When you think of the Cincinnati Bengals, you're kind of just like, meh, I mean, yeah, they could be good, but then you have the inconsistency of the play. I get it. But Randy Moss, like, you're in the category with Randy Moss to be that kind of receiver, the only the third or fourth receiver in NFL history to get 6,000 yards. 6,000 yards in five seasons, like, and no one talks about it. I don't understand. You, I just, <laughs> it's just infuriating. Like, this man has gone above and beyond to make himself known in the NFL, do everything he can. He's probably one of the quietest guys in the NFL. You, you take a, a 6,000-yard wide receiver, and you're thinking you're going to have someone like an, like an Antonio Brown who's going to boast every single chance he gets. Mike Evans is not only the quietest guy, but he's also, he just shuts up and does his work. He does his job. And, you know... He's not going to complain. I'm sure he's, he's shown frustration on the field, but he's never going to complain. He just wants his team to win. And it just it blows my mind that people still think he's not a top-five wide receiver. I mean, what more do you want the guy to do? Well, what else can he do? What does he need, 1,800 yards and 15 touchdowns to be recognized by somebody other than Bucks fans? It's almost like he doesn't exist because he plays for the Bucks. Like, you have these incredible talents on this team that don't get recognized the way they do. And not only on offense, you've got guys like Levante David and the linebacking <coughs> excuse me. And the linebacking group 
that, you know, just he just doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Levante Davis, one of the best blitzing linebackers in the NFL, and he gets absolutely no recognition. This man should have been um, a pro bowler and a, a first-team all-pro multiple years, and he's got snubbed every single year. He's had over 130 tackles the past two seasons. I mean, what does he have to do? Put up a 200-tackling season? <laughs> and it's because he's, I mean, the way he's been used the past couple of seasons hasn't been as a, as a blitzing linebacker, which is one of his strengths, so I don't understand why he wasn't used that way. But this man, year in and year out, has shown up and shown out against some of the best players in the NFL, and he gets no recognition. He gets absolutely no recognition. And it, it's it's maddening. You know, you have these guys. The Bucks have, let me see, you know, you have Mike Evans, Avante David, O.J. Howard, who's an up-and-coming star, Chris Godwin, who I really believe, even if he wasn't a Buccaneer, just the way he runs his routes and really, you know, just always finds a way to be open. You know, you have these up-and-coming guys who really, you know, you hear about them very, very little, Unless they have an amazing game. Like, I mean, an amazing game. Um, who just don't really get the respect they deserve. Even JPP had the quietest, what, 12 and a half sack season last season? 12 and a half sacks. And that might be because, you know, you have guys like Aaron Donald who had damn near 20 sacks last season. But, I mean, come on. It's just these guys just get overlooked. And it's ridiculous. It's not like the Bucks are this horrible, horrible team. They're not. They're really not. You don't have a horrible team when you have players like this. Now, do I believe a lot of it was coaching? Absolutely. Do I believe a lot of it has been injuries as well? Absolutely. Especially with the defense. I mean, you can't have <laughs> Mike Smith. Oh, Mike Smith, wherever you are, please never coach another NFL team again. You are absolutely horrible. You had guys 10 yards off the ball, 10 yards off the line of scrimmage on like third and four situations. Anybody who's ever played Madden or has ever played any kind of, just any, if watch any kind of football knows, if your players are 10 yards off the line of scrimmage and you're a wide receiver, what is the first route you're thinking of to get that first down? A slant. You run a slant or just any kind of curl route and you have the first down. That was the biggest issue the Bucks had. They could not stop a nosebleed because of the way they were set up in the defense. You have two press corners. You have Carlton Davis and Vernon Hardgraves before he got hurt. Okay. We're not even going to mention Brent Grimes because we know how we, we all feel about Brent Grimes, who still has been picked up by any team, by the way, which is a beautiful thing. I hope he never wears another jersey again. But you have two press corners, okay? You have guys who, who excel in press coverage defense and they're good at jamming you off the line and they're good at getting you off your routes and you put them 10 yards off the line against some of the shiftiest and fastest receivers in the NFL. Why did you think that was going to work? What in your right mind told you, yeah, let's put, let's put you on Julio Jones. But let's have you play him off 10 yards off the ball. Let him get enough speed so he can blow right by you. Or he can kill you on a crossing or a, or a slant route. 
So no, I believe that the the level of talent is there. I really do. I really feel like the Bucks have one of the most talented teams in football. Not even just offensively. I mean, they really do have some talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. <clears throat> I mean, you're going to have your second year, Vitavea, who came off a very impressive end of his rookie season where he really kind of took over and made himself known to not only, you know, the Bucks that like, hey, like, you guys did not miss on this pick. I'm going to bring what you need on this defensive line. But also to the rest of the league, you know, he was a guy who was bowling over all pro first team offensive linemen. You know, a lot of people were very upset about the pick, especially after the whole Derwin James and a whole bunch of other stupid shit that like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You're not running the team. They felt this was the best player. Same thing when it was Dalvin Cook over OJ Howard, you know what I mean? They really have, you know, they're starting to build that young nucleus that's that's <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be hard to stop. And I mean, it doesn't seem like that way that right now. But you've got to remember, you know, they've got Gerald McCoy, and maybe he may not be here, you know, the start of this season. But for right now, if we're saying right now today, the Bucks still have that Pro Bowl defensive tackle. They still have another Pro Bowl defensive lineman in JPP. They've got young, upcoming star, Vita Vea. They've got Carl Nassib, who just showed up on the scene and has made some incredible, just some incredible plays that he's, you know, he's able to get into that backfield and really just pummel guys. It's impressive. It really is. And I don't feel like the team gets enough credit. I really don't. They're, the problem with them getting respect is like I said before not only the record they haven't been able to turn that into wins but also because of how young they are they're still learning as a team they're still learning how to mesh together if that makes any sense because you got guys like Jordan Whitehead and Justin Evans who are very very young I think they're both like 21 or 22 years old and those are your starting safeties. They don't have that veteran presence. That's the, probably the biggest struggle right now for the Bucks is because they have all this talent. They have all these guys that could be could be that lockdown player. You can have a lockdown safety. You can have a couple lockdown corners. But the problem right now, and the biggest struggle the Bucks are going to face this season, and probably next season as well, especially with the acquisitions of all these younger draft picks is having them not only mesh together, but grow into their own, at their own pace. I understand when you draft somebody, you know, everyone and their mother expects them to just show up and show out, like a Derwin James did this season, you know what I mean? But then you have players that take a little bit of time to really, you know, grow into their own. You think Ben Roethlisberger was was throwing 50 touchdown seasons in the beginning? No. Do you think that people like Luke Keighley were blowing stuff up at the very beginning? No. They all went through their growing pains. And that's the biggest thing right now is Tampa is going through their growing pains. But now they have this coach. They have Bruce Arians who they call him the quarterback whisperer. But I think he's the, the team whisperer um, in the aspect that he's been to all these places. He's been to Indianapolis. He's been to Pittsburgh. He's been to Arizona. 
And it's not a fluke that every single time he moves to a new team, they end up having success. You can call it whatever you want to call it. You can say that, oh, he had Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, he had Andrew Luck. Yeah, well, he had Carson Palmer in Arizona. Nothing against Carson Palmer, but when you if you're going to compare apples to oranges, if you're going to compare Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck to Carson Palmer. You know, they have all of the tools they need. They have it on defense. And I'm speaking very heavily on defense because that's the biggest area of need, in my opinion. Um, and I'll, I'll get to the offense here in a minute, but my biggest thing is, you know, people rag on the Tampa Bay defense, and rightfully so. 400 yards given up per game. You can't do that. You cannot win games if you give up that many yards. But now, you know, you have a lot of guys coming off of injury. You know, they really... The injury bug, for whatever reason, loves to bite Tampa at the worst opportune times. And it's not going to get any easier this season, especially when they have this five-game road block that, for whatever reason, the NFL decided was going to be okay until after it came out. And, you know, then they started, oh, if we had a second chance, we'd change Tampa Bay's schedule, and we're not supposed to vote for them or root for them, but we're going to have to, you think? You think? Like, <laughs> still blows my mind. So, the odds are already stacked in Tampa Bay's favor. We know this as fans. It sucks. You know, it started in when Irma, you know, came through and the Bucks had a week one bye. So, it's it's not like the Bucks have had any kind of help from the football gods, <laughs> if you want to say that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, now through the draft, even though a lot of people didn't, like how the draft turned out they've now filled all of these holes that they had beginning of the season when Bruce Arians came onto the scene a couple months ago he had a very solid nucleus that he even admitted to but now in my opinion they've filled every single hole on that defense with at least one body think about it okay you lose Quan Alexander you know the the heart and soul of that defense in my opinion next to Levante David he was the emotional leader, the guy who was going to, you know, rally the troops, get everyone excited, get the hype going, you know. You lose him, and it's a big hit. It was a very big hit. It, I, I really thought he was going to come back, but, you know, he signed elsewhere, and I'll be rooting for the guy, like I've said in previous podcasts. You know, I have no ill will against Quan, but, um, you know, adding Shaq Barrett, um, a guy who's been stuck between, um, excuse me, behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, who I really feel is going to be a nice addition. You have the money backer, Deion Buchanan, who can play versatile at safety and linebacker. And then you nail it with Devin White, who's going to be an automatic plug-and-play player. He's going to show up and show out. He's going to learn from Levante David, one of the best in the game. So when it comes to the linebacking depth, I think now they're in a good spot. They still have, I believe, Cameron Lynch. They still have Levante David, Devin White, Shaq Barrett, Deion Buchanan. That's five guys already, you know. And there's a couple more that I think are still around. Um, I know they just released, um, what is his name? Joe. <laughs> Joe Dirt. Uh, Riley Bullough. Okay, they released him. But they still have guys like Kevin Minter who did not play bad at all when he was asked to, you know, when he was kind of just thrown into the position of, okay, next man up, let's go. Okay, and then you move into the secondary. 
And the Bucks secondary is probably the shakiest coming into this draft. You know, you got a guy, Vernon Hargraves III, who's coming back from injury and looked good um, towards the end of the 2017 season and then got hurt in the first game of 2018. But, you know, he's he's got to prove himself this year. This is his last chance, in my opinion. They picked up his fifth-year option, and, you know, he has to prove himself. He has to prove that he's not the bust people have labeled him to be. But I think him being moved now to the outside in a press corner situation is really going to help him. So, okay, now you got you got Vernon Hargraves there. You got Carlton Davis, who, like I said in, in earlier podcasts again, has had some struggles but really came on strong at the end of the year. He's starting to get his confidence in. Like I said, it takes guys a little bit of time, especially in secondary. You're not going up against chumps. You're going up against some of the best in the NFL, especially in the NFL in the NFC South. That division is probably the best in the league, and if I wasn't a Bucks fan, I'd still say the same. You've still got Drew Brees. You've still got Cam Newton when he's not injured. Is it... Michael Thomas, um, you know, Carolina might not have that real big wide receiver right now, but they've still got a threat of Christian McCaffrey, who can still catch passes out of the backfield. So, you know, you really came in with just those two guys as solidified possible starters for the next season. That's it. Brent Grimes is gone, and thankfully so, but he's gone. That's it. That was your other starting cornerback. That was your man that you had set up against the number one guys. That was your CB1. So the Bucks really needed to hit the head on the nail with this. And, you know, because you still have guys like Ryan Smith, who I personally don't, and again, nothing against Ryan Smith. He's a great special teams guy. You remember the play where he downed it up the one-yard line and everyone made memes about him for a week because of how incredible the way he was able to lean his body like Michael Jackson? He's a great special teams guy. Really good special teams guy. But that's where he belongs, is on special teams, not as a starting corner. And the Bucks, I feel, knew that. I feel like Arians and Bowles got together and was like, hey, we have some pieces on the secondary, but these guys aren't going to do it. We need to add some more firepower. So they went out and got two big, strong, speedy corners who will make up the difference. And I feel like... Murphy Bunning will really be that guy, but Jamel Dean, man, the more I watch tape on him, both of them have a really good shot of, you know, playing for that starting position. And even if both of them don't start, you're still going to have that depth. This is going to be a 3-4 defense, primarily. Now, they'll still play 4-3 defense, which was the Bucks' primary, you know, set for a very long time. But you're going to need rotational players. You can't have guys playing all 80, 90 snaps of the game, depending. You know what I mean? You have to have guys that can come in and still fill that role. And Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean can do that. They can fill those roles. And for those of you who don't understand why I keep calling him Sean Murphy Bunting, it's because he said he he was going to start going by that name. So it's no longer Sean Bunting, it's Sean Murphy Bunting. Okay, and then you go into deeper into the secondary. 
now you have safeties. And the Bucks, like I said earlier, the Bucks' safety situation was abysmal last season. You had three guys go down and end up on either IR or out for multiple weeks. Chris Conte is gone. Chris Conte is gone. He is no longer a part of the Buccaneers. You know, he had a really bad knee injury, and he's probably not going to play again. Then you had you know, the two young safeties go down with knee injuries. You enter Mike Edwards, who is that big, not not so much big, but he's a big presence. Like, he's not big as in, like, tall, but he is a big presence in that backfield. He had over 300 tackles in Kentucky. He's really going to be able to be that, you know, rotational guy. And even if they want to have three safeties at one time, Todd Bowles came out and said he's it's a regularity to have him have seven defensive backs on the field at one time. So, you know, as much as Bucks fans really were not too excited about who they got in the draft because everyone likes to, you know, rave about these big names. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a coach's decision. They filled the holes they needed to. They hit every single position on that defense. They brought in Terry Beckner, and they brought in Anthony Nelson for the defensive line. They added pieces on the defensive line the linebacking, the corners, and the safeties. And they've continued to bring in guys through undrafted free agency and training camp to try and fill those holes. They hit every single aspect of that defense. That's impressive. It's very hard to do that in the draft, especially when it's very enticing to take, you know, a quarterback or a running back or a wide receiver. And I'm so grateful that the Bucks did not take a running back with a pick. There was no need for it, in my opinion. There just wasn't. Um, shifting over to the offensive side of the ball now, think about it. You you don't need another rookie running back. I mean, uh, <coughs> Rojo, in my opinion, is still a rookie. Y- you have a guy that had 23 carries, and that was it. That's, that's one game's workload. You can't judge a guy off of one season with that. And I know a lot of you were like, oh, he can't catch out of the backfield. Let me tell you something. They knew when they drafted him that he wasn't a pass-catching back out of the backfield. He wasn't asked to do it a lot at USC. He was a guy that could hit the hole and go and just blaze down the sideline. So for everyone who's like, oh, well, he can't pass-catch and that's an issue. It is. Okay, but it's also an issue that he he wasn't developed by any of his coaches last season. And you have a guy like Peyton Barber who has really come into his own, in my opinion, could have had a thousand yards last season if you would have stuck with the ball, and you know if the Bucks would have stuck with the running game. So you have a thousand yard rusher, and you have a rookie who hasn't had a chance to prove himself. Why would you waste another pick on a running back? It wouldn't have made any sense to me. The quarterback position, you know, the Bucks didn't need to draft a quarterback, and I know some of you don't like Jameis Winston and you don't want him here. I get it. Okay, he's inconsistent, and I'll be the first one to admit that. I've been called the Jameis apologizer. I don't see how. Every every opinion I have, I try and back it with fact, okay? I do my research. You can look at stats all day long, okay? But when I watch film, and I watch hours and hours and hours of film, and this kid has what it takes. He just needs to clean up a little bit and not be behind by 20 points. If you're down 20 points, the kid's going to make mistakes. He's going to try and push the ball down the field. He's going to try and make something happen. That's just logic. I want to see you go out there and take a team and try and lead them down, down 21 points in the third quarter and try and come back to win the game. And I want to see you not throw an interception or two. 
if you think you can, just, you know, <laughs> that's all I'm asking is, you know, for you to show me because I don't think you can. So, now they've addressed the running back issue. If there is a, even is an issue, some of you feel that way, um, in free agency. I'm sorry, not free agency, undrafted free agents. They've added a couple quarterbacks to come in and try out and be signed. They released Joe Callahan, the other quarterback they had. Wide receiver, they addressed the, again, um, they addressed the Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys leaving issue. They brought in Bashad Perriman, who is, that kid is fast, man. If he can get his hands right, he is going to be a problem. And a lot of people don't seem to, like, realize how how much he could affect the game if he can just get his hands right. He's got 4.23 speed. That is insane. That's, <laughs> I don't know, some of you may not have been old enough for when Chris Johnson came onto the scene because some of you might be, you know, younger than me. Some of you I know are like, what do you mean you don't remember? He's like, really relevant. Well, I'm 23, okay? I don't remember a whole bunch of that. <laughs> but Chris Johnson was that guy. When he got the ball, your heart was going because you knew he could take it the distance at any given moment. He could turn a zero-yard play into 20, 30 yards in an instant if you just give him a little bit of a crease. So, you know, he's got that kind of speed. He can get behind the fastest of defenders and, you know, blow guys by. But then they bring in Scotty Miller, and I've I've never heard of the guy. I had seen something someone post um, the top remaining wide receivers in the draft, and his name was on it. I didn't know who he was, and you know, um, immediately when he was picked, I did some research on him. And this kid's fast, and not only is he fast, he's got really good hands and instincts. He's not the biggest guy. I think he's like a hundred and hundred and seventy, hundred eighty pounds. A tiny little thing, five foot eleven and one hundred eighty four pounds. But again, he's got like 4.3 speed, which is something that the Bucks have addressed early and often throughout the offseason. And with the additions they've made in the draft, they want fast, aggressive guys. They want to bring speed to Tampa Bay again. And Scotty Miller is a perfect example of that. He can blow by you with his speed. He's got crisp routes. He can clean some of his issues up when it comes to, you know... I think he has pretty decent balance, but again, he puts a little bit of muscle. He'll be able to stay upright when he gets hit or, you know, knocked down a little bit or bumped into. But he is a nice addition they add into the offense. And a lot of people were super upset about the offensive line thing. Myself included at one point. Um, I was very confused about it. I thought there were a lot of good people that they could have added at the draft with the offensive line. But now, you know, free agents, uh, the day after the draft is kind of like free agency all over again but for undrafted guys. And some of the guys that they've brought in through undrafted free agency and, you know, to, to training camp, mini camp, these are guys that they could, like, sign and plug and play immediately. They've addressed every position is what I'm trying to get at here. They've addressed every position of need, in my opinion. The running back situation, Bruce Anderson, I think is going to be a good addition. He's got that Peyton Barber mixed with Rojo in him. He's got the speed, he's got the power. He ran over a couple guys. He can catch, pass, catch out of the backfield. So then you've got you got all these pieces now coming together. All of these pieces now. And they still get disrespected. I saw um, earlier some of these power rankings. I get it. Okay. It's May 5th. It is May 5th of 2019. The first week doesn't start till September. 
Anything and everything can happen between now and then. I get that. And I get that the Bucks came off of two 5-11 seasons. But my God, how disrespectful is it to have a team who has all this talent I just spent 30 minutes going over? I mean, all of this talent. All of it. And with a, a head coach and a coaching staff who have proven they can win again and again and again. In all these different places, all these different states, all these different teams, all these other type of players and prospects they've had on these teams. Yet you have them at 25 and 29. And I've even seen 31. Like It, it blows my mind the level of disrespect the Bucks get. And it's sometimes it's not even through national media. It's by our own Bucks media. And it just... I wish it wasn't that way. I get the skepticism. I get, you know, not wanting to be hurt and get your hopes up and everything. But you try and tell me that you haven't seen a change already. And just the way things are done at One Buck Place. You know, there's not a lot of music at the practices. Um... There was something today about ping pong tables. Like, that's what people were worried about. Ping pong tables and music. Like, there's just a, just a, a new feeling when you talk about this team. You feel like they might have something here. And I'm not trying to say the Bucks are going to go from, you know, the worst rate defense to the number one. They're not going to have 3,000-yard receivers. I'm not saying any of that. All I'm saying is they deserve a little bit of respect. And all of you can say, well, they'll get respect when they earn it. Which is fine. It's true. You're not wrong for saying that. But these players deserve to be recognized for what they've done. And they haven't been. And it's because of stuff like that. So they can use this for fuel. And maybe I'm just crazy for talking about it. But at the same time, when it comes to our own media national media and fans already talking about having a 5 and 10 or 4 and 12 season when the bucks have done nothing but just add these versatile fast speedy aggressive guys to try and stop that it's kind of silly i, I don't see how you have the bucks anywhere in the late 20s at all when you have teams like the raiders now I know they got Antonio Brown. He's the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah, great, whatever. But we also know what the situation is down there. You can't have a team like that in the top 15 but have the Bucks at 28 because, and I quote, you just don't know what the Bucks will be, unquote. It's not the same. I don't... <laughs> I just like I said, I just think it's silly. I think the Bucks have something stacked against them schedule wise, like they seem to have every year. <coughs> cough cough, NFL Commish, cough cough. But you can't deny that the Bucks have something special going this year. In my opinion, they have the circumstances and the pieces now to really have a chance to do something more than what they've been able to do since 2016. You know, a lot of people talk, snack, that, you know, the Bucks aren't a good team, they suck, this, this, and that. And sure, like I said, if you want to do stats, we can do stats all day long that they've had, you know, the worst winning percentage ever, and they haven't had a, a playoff run since 2007, 
listen, we know it, the media knows it, other fans of other teams know it, but at the end of the day, they should have been in the playoffs in 2016. The only reason why they didn't make the playoffs is because of a tiebreaker with the Packers. So it's not like the Bucks are some horrible team, even the last two seasons. It's not like they were getting blown out by 50 points except for the Bears game, which I will not get into because that game was horrible. But the Bucks have been in most of these games that they've got, they've lost. You know, even when the defense gave up 30 points, they still had the firepower to come back and, you know, get within a touchdown or tie it up and then eventually, you know, not be able to get it done. It's not like they're getting blown out. They're beating themselves in half of these games. And now they have a coaching staff who's not going to let that mediocrity and those players who don't want to play or give their all be on this team. And it's still nothing. Still nothing. You can change everything about that Bucks locker room and this team and the culture, and still no one's going to believe it. No one is believing it. They had a little bit of hype, you know, with a Good Morning Football crew. Shout out to the Good Morning Football crew. But it's almost like they're being overlooked, which is which is fine. But... I don't know. It just it just seems weird to me how it's just everything seems to be coming together for them and just no one is talking about it. Instead, we're talking about Antonio Brown. You know? It just feels like tides are turning for the Bucks in the best way possible. And I had to just get that off my chest. That was <laughs> that was eating at me for a little bit. And it just seems like they'll now have to not only prove themselves right that they you know they're going to be changing the tide and that this is a new era in Tampa Bay it looks like they're going to have to prove everybody else wrong which (laughs) Bruce Arians is not afraid of I don't think the Bucks are afraid of it I think players have been embracing it since the new change um so we'll just have to wait and see but all right this will end episode five of the talk to playing podcast hope you guys enjoyed it um, let me know what you guys think. I mean, are things changing for Tampa Bay? Do they re- do they deserve the disrespect they've been getting? I mean, do they deserve to be at 28 and 29 in power rankings? And just one more thing before I sign off here, guys. I will start bringing people on and start talking some Bucks football with me. I'm getting a couple more things settled, but it's happening. If you guys want to be on the podcast, please shoot me a message on either my personal account, EMT underscore Abrams on Twitter, or even the podcast Twitter account. I am on them both quite frequently, and I really want to start getting your guys' opinions on here. But, all right, guys, until next time. Space Tourist.